It's 4 o'clock Central on Thursday, so this must be the Pillars of Franchising, where we talk about how to work for yourself and make money. My co-host is Ray Pillar, franchisee extraordinaire and number 10th in the nation of Molly Made Owners. Ray, how are you doing this week? Well, it's a beautiful, cloudy afternoon here in the Midwest of Aurora, Illinois, and I'm doing pretty good. Just getting off this one holiday and right in the middle of the week, which kind of feels like it always screws up things. But you know, I wish they'd put it on a weekend, but you know, it's gonna it wouldn't be July 4th then, would it? No, it wouldn't. And for me, I was traveling yesterday. Been on vacation since last Friday, so this is kind of like Monday for me, and so I've been running around like a Wild man trying to get caught up from being gone for uh, five days. Did you have a good count? As somebody said, it feels like the second Monday of the week. I know. I know. (laughs) So who's our guest today, Ray? Our guest is uh, Mr. Uh, Michael Peterson. Uh, He is the owner of Franchise Beacon. How you doing, Michael? You know, I can't complain. It's a beautiful day in Dallas. Is it a little warm there? Ooh, it sounds hot. You know, you know <laughs> what? Actually, it's below 100, uh, which is the first time I've seen that in about a week. It's only 97 degrees today, so it's not bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ready on curve, 83. right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, that's hot. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, that's okay. I don't need a hundred. I'm I'm happy with the low seventy. <laughs> so, Michael, uh, what what can you tell us about Franchise Beacon? Sure. Um, you know, Franchise Beacon actually just kind of got started out of a uh, of a need. We were myself and my business partner were working uh, at a franchise work that quickly went from a small startup company to the fastest growing company in Orange County, California. Um, you know, we're number two that year, by the way, was Vizio. So we were moving pretty quick and we were the fastest growing franchise in the, in the nation. And uh, people started asking us questions and asking us advice. Um, and so we started kind of the nights and weekends company consulting. Um, mm. That happened about 2008. And in 2013, we decided it was time to go it alone. And uh, my partner and I left and started Franchise Beacon uh, in 2013 full-time. We specialize in taking small or medium-sized companies and turning them into franchisors or taking uh, franchisors that are wanting to bring their franchise sales to, you know, that uh, uh, next level that everybody's always talking about um, and, and taking over that process for them. Wow, that's so, interesting. A slightly different perspective than what we've been talking to, uh, talking with on the show. So, so if someone has a great idea, uh, such as a, a small restaurant or some kind of a, uh, other uh, type of service, uh, you would help them develop uh, franchisees. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, I'd help them decide if they should franchise, right? Because um, a lot of businesses shouldn't franchise, and even if the business should, a lot of people shouldn't franchise. Uh, and, and if we uh, get through that, then yes, I would absolutely help them become a franchisor and get their franchisees. So what are the criteria? So yeah, I was going to say, what are the criteria you use on deciding when someone should franchise or if and when, when and if? 
if and when, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the first thing you got to ask yourself is, you know, am I the right person uh, for franchising? Right? Uh, is this a, um, it's a career change. You know, we as, as franchisors, we're used to make, asking people to make career changes every day. That's what we do. Um, but when you go from being a restaurateur to a restaurant franchisor, you're changing careers. So ask yourself, do you want to do that? Do you want the headaches? Do you like the control that you have by having employees? Because you lose a lot of that. Um, so I always recommend people under, really study the industry, attend at least two IFA events, interview franchisors, you know, talk to some consulting firms, uh, and then if they decide they're good for franchising, then look at the business. Um, the criteria to franchise really is you need to have an established business. You, you said two things, Ray. You said an um, idea and then a restaurant, and, and those are two really different things, right? One's an idea, and you can't – you can, but you shouldn't franchise an idea. You need to have proven that your business mind is pro- – or your business is profitable – um, that's to me like just a baseline requirement. Um, but profitable businesses don't necessarily make good franchises if they're specific to an area. You know, I knew I had a friend of mine that uh, had a really good business uh, selling Yellowstone Park souvenirs right outside of Yellowstone Park. Right? Probably would not make a good franchise. Um, or if they're tight, if they're tight margins, you know, then there's no room for royalty. Um, or my, you know, my business or yours. Right, that require our very specific skill set uh, to do it. Uh, you can't really franchise that. So that's that's really one of the biggest criteria, in my opinion, for a business. And then, of course, is now the right time. You know, do you have the, are you in a place in life where your life is kind of on autopilot because franchising is going to take over your life for a while uh, when you become a franchisor? Do you have the capital in the bank? It's not a cheap thing to do. Um, you know, is the business, is the uh, industry facing a disruptor or maybe a potential disruptor that's going to scare people off even if you don't believe it's going to happen? So those are a few of the things we look at during a feasibility study just to determine if it's, you know, the right time. What what would be the potential costs of starting a franchise? Let's just say you had a, a, a fantastic hot dog and you thought sure. – Wow, this is something that would really go great all across the United States. So you you want to take your little restaurant and and start franchising it. What would be the potential costs in something like that? Yeah. So and and the, you know you mentioned a uh, you know a hot dog, right? And so there's not a lot of tech behind that because that's one of the things that can really determine how much it's going to cost you to franchise. Um, but yeah. you know your overall investment, depending on the brand. And I always include into this uh, a year's worth of advertising because what's the point of having a franchise yeah. or that's broken, can't promote the franchise? Um, shoestring, a little more than shoestring, but, but pretty cheap, 150000 uh, up to the three fifty to 400000 range, um, you know, including that first year's uh, marketing expense um, so that you've got franchise sales coming in. And then the idea is that the franchise sales are then replenishing that budget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and, and that breaks down into you know all sorts of different categories. But you know, you've got legal, you've got marketing, you've got all that. That that sounds like something that would be doable for a lot of people. I mean, obviously, it's going to be more expensive than you know purchasing a franchise, uh, be, becoming a franchisor. Um, 
But uh, if you went to something like, um, I'm trying to think of something that has a very low overhead net, the first thing that comes to mind is a, a battery store where they uh, virtually they probably spend very little on uh, the location and uh, probably a, 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 a insignificant amount on actual inventory. So that would probably be on the lower end of that range you spoke of, about 150000 And then as we get into restaurants yep. with, with more build-out, it would probably be on the higher end, about 350000 Actually, the the cost of opening the franchise location isn't going to influence the cost that much of becoming a franchisor. Um, that's you know, because that's, uh, th- that's going to cost that uh, you determine who your target franchise is. Of course, um, and how much are your mm-hmm. costs to open the franchise? But as far as a franchisor, um, you know, having a battery store or having a restaurant that both have pretty, you know, the restaurant has pretty intensive cash up front. There's not going to be as big of a discrepancy as you would think in startup costs to become a franchisor. Um, it's just mm-hmm. what is going to be more expensive is that marketing budget because you've got to spend more money to reach those slightly more affluent uh, individuals, mm-hmm. and especially in restaurants, you want to reach the people who know how to franchise restaurants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ray, he said the M word. The M word. Uh, marketing. Ding ding, ding 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 ding. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, Mark takes the M word. Yeah, Mark. It's the one I care about because that's the one that brings the other yep. M word, money. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, how much should um, how much money should a franchisor uh, set aside for marketing in that first year? So that's going to be determined by how what their growth plan looks like, and I have been in a franchise that literally imploded because it grew too fast. So it's not just yeah. as much as you can throw at it. You want as many franchisees as you can get. It depends on what you can support from the franchisor side. I would say a minimum, and I mean really a minimum annual uh, first-year budget is in the 30000 range. Um, you know, I spent in my heyday when we were selling 40 units a month as a franchisor, uh, we were spending a little over $120,000 a month in advertising. Um, but I would say for most franchisors, a good budget is somewhere between uh, fifty and 200000 depending on what they want to do for growth. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, uh, a franchise that grew too fast and imploded. And I'm, I'm, the thing, first thing that came to mind, and I can't think of the name of, uh, of the franchise, but they sold donuts, uh, Krispy Kreme. They seem to just, you know, took the market by storm and then, you know, went away. <laughs> Barely find any of the stores anymore. Is that what kind of what you're talking about, or am I missing the boat on that? Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, of course, part of theirs was they, they hit a bad timing, right? It was just as the uh, U.S. was becoming super diet health conscious. Uh, but, you know, uh, you could contrast that to five guys. Right, who uh, sold out the entire country in three years, and you don't see very mm-hmm. many five guys closed. But that's because although they sold out the country in three years, you don't see the several years of planning and slow growth that they put behind it to make sure they had systems and processes in place to support that growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I don't, th- I don't know anything about how Krispy Kreme started, but my guess would be that they didn't know they were going to blow up. Yeah, yeah. 
So uh, it's a good idea to spend some uh, some money in the operations part portion of, of franchising to make sure that things are going smoothly. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the uh, one of the brands I work with, um, Building Kids, which is an early childhood education preschool franchise. Um, they're young. You know, we uh, we brought our first franchisee to market in 2016, um, and we've got about 30 franchise agreements signed now. Uh, with uh, you know, um, I think like 13 units open, they have a they have an org chart that's missing names, but they have an org chart up to uh, uh, 75 or 100, I think 100 open locations, uh, and they're staffed right now for uh, up to about 40 to 50 open locations. Um, and mm-hmm. so, and of course, this is a company that's ran by you know a couple people that have MBAs and they they understood what they were getting into when they become a franchisor. And so they had that growth plan in place where it's like, okay, we don't know who this is going to be, but we know we need somebody here when we reach this point. Um, and so yeah. just you know coming in and looking up at the uh, looking up at the ceiling when you get to work in the morning and seeing that the lights still on and you know just going to work. You can't quite do that uh, in franchise. Yes, I, I definitely can see that. You, you've got to have the plan uh, ahead of schedule before, because if you do start growing too quickly and you don't have the plan, you, you know, basically you're going to you're doomed to fail. Well, yeah, I would look at absolutely. It. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a successful model. So let's take a moment so, here. Let's wait, Ray. Let's go ahead. take a moment to. Remind our listeners that they can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. We'd like to thank Link Local Network for carrying us. And here is a word from one of our sponsors, assuming I can hit the button correctly. (laughs) Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. Thanks, Nick. Ray, back to you. Oh, okay. Uh, one of the things I was looking at uh, in <clears throat> on LinkedIn is that you were uh, Chief Administrative Officer of Play and Trade and I remember when my kids were growing up, there were quite a few of those around. Are, are, there, are they still around? or Michael? They are still around. Um, can you still hear me? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay, perfect. Uh, yeah, they're still around. Um, play and Trade uh, had a real, you know, they had a recession within a recession. Um, with, that's the company that I said I was part of that grew to being the fastest growing company in Orange County and the fastest growing franchise in the country. Um, what happened is the uh, economy crashed, as you may have heard about, uh, around the 2007-2008 time frame. But at the same time, you ended up um, – yeah, I'm, guys, I'm talking to you right now on a video game, right? My phone has more computing power than the, than the Xbox did. Um, and so we had the <laughs> – 
The true story. So we had the uh, the industry have this sudden disruptor, as I was mentioning earlier, um, along with an economic crash overall. And so, yeah, we, we uh, were at our apex about 250 stores. There's a, and we were in uh, five, four countries. Uh, there's about uh, 70 stores, I would say, um, in three countries now. So they're not gone. Um, but they're definitely, mm-hmm. they've had a lot of losses. And, you know, when I started with them, GameStop, which was, you know, big, big video game company, number one stock mm-hmm. in the New York Stock Exchange. The year I left playing trade, it was the number one shorted stock on the New York Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a big, that was a big change in, in five years. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, high-tech industry has been uh, what I've been involved in uh, most of my life. But then uh, because I was in it, I also got uninvolved because uh, <laughs> as the technology evolved, uh, well, my, my last job was with a company that produced telephone equipment for landlines. So you know what happened to landlines. <laughs> you know, and and uh, prior, prior, uh, uh, prior to that, it was basically the same thing. Uh, you know, the technology would improve that I was involved in to a point where I wasn't needed any longer. So then I went to the next technology, and that evolved to the next thing. So I'm looking at something like GameStop or, or Play and Trade, and I would imagine, uh, I think, uh, although my kids are in their 30s now, they're getting their games online now, just like music has gone primarily online. So right. was that a part of the decline on that as well? It was. Is there, it was. It, it was. And, you know, you can adapt. Every technology company has to adapt, right? Nintendo, uh, if you've heard of them, they've been around since 1893. Uh, and they started out making playing cards. Uh, Radio mm. Shack, uh, which is now called the Shack, sorry, uh, the Shack mm-hmm. uh, started out making leather goods, right? They're called Tammy Leather. Um, and mm. so those are two technology companies that have well over 100-year history. I also think they're the exception mm. to the rule. Um, and if you're basing your, uh, your company around a very specific type of uh, technology, and even as specific, you know, it doesn't seem like phones are specific, but, Ray, you'll appreciate this. I had somebody look at a landline the other day. I was with uh, some kids, and they asked me why the phone had a hashtag because there was no Twitter and there was no Instagram back then. No! <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, technology changes, and, and as that new generation yeah. comes up, you can quickly lose a foothold. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... in Ray's case, you went from high-tech high tech phones and computers to high-tech toilet brushes? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, my, 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 my theory was, okay, I'm done with the high-tech stuff. I'm going to go as low-tech as I can get. But what I found out when I got into the industry is that the operations part of it is very high-tech. we got probably sure. some of the best software in the industry, if not the best. You know, but uh, <laughs> my theory was at the time, you know, okay, I'm done with high-tech. I'm going to go as low-tech I can go, you know, on toilet brushes is probably probably it. So it, it it's working. What can I tell you? But you can never escape technology, and you can never escape that technology is going to change, right? I mean, using CRMs now um, with, uh, you know, automatic drips and workflows, even if you're in a franchise that has nothing but people power, right, so you're a security mm-hmm. guard company like GuardNow, they still have a CRM that has – 
you know, drip campaigns for the prospective candidates and for their franchisees' prospective candidates. They have workflow automations. It's about mm-hmm. forward-facing business, you know, that high-tech makes a lot of money, and there's a reason for that. It's it's a risk. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh... – I was really surprised uh, um, how much technology was involved in the business I'm in. And I'm, I'm, uh, to tell you the truth, I'm really proud of uh, Molly Made because they've really taken the bull by the horns. And, and they were the uh, uh, forerunners of creating uh, software to, uh, to uh, keep uh, all the schedules in line and the people in line and everything like that. And it used to be uh, when they started the franchise 30 years ago, everything was kept on a spreadsheet or a whiteboard. And so when a customer would call in to say, I need to cancel my claim for the day, they'd just go in there and literally erase his name and, and rewrite mm-hmm. it somewhere else, you know. And uh, they were the forerunners in creating software that kept track of that. Uh, and now they're developing something that is absolutely fabulous. I, I, I don't even have the time to get into it. But uh, it's uh, being introduced now to all the Molly Maid owners, and uh, I think all the Molly, if there are any Molly Maid owners on the line, they have a a, a good reason to be extremely proud of of the, the company that's developing this software. They're they're doing a fantastic job. Well, you know, and and Ray, because I know you guys do have a lot of listeners that are prospective franchisees, I would say that. That is something that every prospective candidate should be looking at when they're looking at a franchisor. Um, if your mm-hmm. franchisor is not talking to you about bleeding edge technology, um, because what they're talking to you about as a prospect is probably 50% what they're doing and 50% what they're planning on doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. And they tell you that, I mean, but, but they're telling you what their plans are. And so if that's not bleeding edge, um, then they're probably already behind the curve. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, you can be in a low-tech business like Molly Maze, which is an awesome business, and it is low-tech, and you can still have, you know, significant automations and, and uh, processes and procedures that are automated behind you to make you more profitable, more efficient, and deliver a better experience to your customer. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's extremely important. Uh, uh, you know, uh, we were talking before the show a little bit. Well, what were you doing on the 4th of July? And I said, I was working. <laughs> I was putting because a lot of uh, a lot of what we do is online nowadays. Uh, I was putting a failover system in in place in case my Comcast internet goes down. It automatically switch over to uh, uh, Verizon and uh, virtually, uh, you know, our, all our phone systems and computer systems will stay up, and uh, we don't have to worry about you know uh, one of the systems going down, such as Comcast, which we rely on extremely uh, uh, heavily mm-hmm. because uh, we have IP phones and uh, and the new service is going to be cloud-based. So that means everything's going over the Internet nowadays. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was doing yesterday is, is working on that, making sure we can get it working right. Uh, Absolutely. Technology is we're relying on it, man. I, I was talking to my girlfriend the other day who's a, a lawyer, and I said, what would happen if the Internet went out in your building? And she looked at me like, didn't, like, just dumbfounded. Like, I, I don't know. It just wouldn't work. Everything's on the cloud. You know, everything's secure on the cloud. The phones are void. You know, we would look at each other. The Internet. Yeah. The, the invention of mankind that made it impossible to leave work. 
Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There is a campground at the top of Yosemite, which you are close enough to go see, uh, where the Internet, uh, you can't get Verizon, you can't get AT&T, you can't get T-Mobile. Yeah, That's one place I go where I'm actually in Florida. I found a couple of those places in Northern California this past week. There you go. There you go. So, question for you. There's been a lot of talk in the franchising industry about uh, work work regulation changes, stuff like that. How do you see the health outlook of the franchise industry? And are there sectors that are better than others? Yeah, so that's a a pretty multi-layered question. So there's a couple of, I would call them, what threats to the industry? Um, I think actually the biggest one is not this uh, uh, co-employer thing you're talking about. It's actually the the mm. recent gap rules that a lot of people aren't paying attention to, um, yeah, which a, accounts that's a big for one. revenue. It is, and a lot of franchisors aren't paying attention to it. Um, where you are only allowed to receive, and, and I don't want to get too you know into uh, economics here, but you're only allowed to account for a, a percentage of your franchise fee every year. Uh, based on the length of your agreement. Uh, that really makes your books look upside down, uh, which can cause you a big issue as a franchisor. Some states won't allow you to sell in their state if your books are upside down. Um, and even though you've got the cash, your books don't say you don't. So that and the co-employer thing is a big thing. Uh, but I think that one is going away. It looks like you know the company that was uh, fighting that won their appeal. And, and I think and I hope that we don't have to worry about that. Having said that, I personally, um, my lens isn't super long. I've been in franchising for about uh, 12 years, Uh, but to me it's a super exciting time um, to be in the industry. Every franchise, I I go to a lot of franchise shows, every franchise show I go to I see new brands, and what's cool is when I go back next year and they're still there, which I didn't see as much of that in 06 and 07. Economic output right now is 5.8% of GDP, $1.6 trillion. Um, it's a um, pretty good time to be in the industry. On my radar right now, um, there's the obvious ones, right, senior care. Um, there's, uh, you know, 10,000 people a day uh, turn 65, um, and people are living longer and longer, uh, so that's a big one. And then uh, education. Uh, education is... Uh, People are valuing the younger education a lot more and then experience. We're be- I, th- I blame this one, by the way, in Facebook. <laughs> We're becoming a much more experiential-based economy uh, because you get to, you know, you can post it online and, and let everybody see your experience. So anything that's experience-based um, to me, like uh, one of the brands I've worked with and consulted with for a while was Game Truck, which is a place they bring video games out to your house and you get to play you know, your kids get to play on the birthday, um, or rock jump, or indoor trampoline, uh, Pino's Palette, uh, right, where you're going and having some wine and doing some painting. That type of experience, to me, uh, base franchise is really, um, that, that's where, to me, the future of franchising is going to go strongly. And then, again, for ECE, it's huge, early childhood education. Um, it's a it's, it's actually anticipated to grow five percent year over year or six percent year over year for the next five years. So that's pretty strong growth numbers. Wow. So it should be an exciting time for franchisees and franchisors uh, 
with the uh, more business-friendly uh, government uh, that we have right now, including the more right-leaning court? Um, yeah, yes, uh, except for that a lot of franchisees, because a lot of people are located in uh, franchise regulation states. And so you um, have a kind of a contrast there of, you know, very left-leaning um, states like California, uh, very right-leaning federal uh, governments, and California is a very strictly regulated state when it comes to franchising. Um, but, yeah, I okay. think so. I agree with you overall. So California is really regulated on everything. And with that, we want to take another break and tell our listeners you can call in at 323-580-5755. And here's a word from my partner. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to MediavineMarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises and we want to help yours grow. Thanks, Michelle. Okay, so I got a question for you, (laughs) uh, Michael. So um, Ray and I have talked about this before and... When I, we talk to franchisees, when I talk to franchisees, the phrase, and I ask them why they selected the franchise um, they did, I tend to hear the phrase, well, it checked, all the, uh, it checked all the boxes of what I was looking for. And it hit me one day that, that franchisees tend to be very uh, list-oriented and very organized. And um, and they wanted to work within a already developed concept, but yet a franchisor, somebody that actually starts a franchisor, they seem to have a different mindset from their franchisees. How would you characterize that different mindset? Sure. Um, so I, a couple of things. First of all, a franchisee franchisor relationship and I think Ray you will, would probably attest to this is at its best at least a little bit adversarial right um, because the the goals and and, and, um, and desires are not perfectly aligned territory is a good example right you want a huge territory the franchisor wants to make it as small as possible to not cannibalize uh, but to grow as fat as large as they can and not cannibalize uh, you might not have the same definition as they do, uh, um, but there's also the key con- the, the key personality um, of who makes a good franchisee and who makes a good franchisor. I would make a terrible franchisee. Um, I would. I think I can do. And I'm not saying I'm right, but I usually look at something and I'm like, you know what? If I put my time into it, I could figure out how to do that and maybe do it better, but at least as good as you do. Um, and it's just an innate attitude, right, that uh, kind of the type A personality entrepreneur has, and that's going to be a disruptor in a franchise system. 
Whereas a franchisee looks at it and says, I want to work for myself. I'm tired of making money for somebody else. I recognize that I have more skills that I'm using, um, that I don't want my, my world to be so myopic, but also respecting the, um, the fact that, you know, there is a system and a framework in place that they can follow. And so that's, to me, it's very, two very different mindsets. <clears throat> I actually talked to somebody who, a long time ago into looking, who was looking at one of the franchises I represented. Uh, he asked me so many questions and wanted to change so many things. I told him, you know what, you should be a franchisor, not a franchisee. And he called me back five <laughs> months later. He said, I found one of your competitors who only had three franchises open, and I bought him out. You were right. I'm a franchisor now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that answers that. Sure. Yeah. I, I can see why a, uh, you would feel there would be a, a bit of a conflict of interest there, um, um, but one of the one of the things that uh, being with this franchise for a number, uh, about fifteen years now, um, sixteen, I, I think I think that uh, basically it, it, as long as the franchisor has the franchisee's interests uh, at heart, the, uh, and their success, I should say, at heart, yes. then the franchisor will succeed. But as soon as they begin to not have the, those interests at heart, uh, which I, I, I always feel that Molly May does have uh, because they realize where their bread and butter is and it is us out in the field, so to speak, just as my employees is, are, are my bread and butter and I have their best interests at heart, as long as you keep that, I, I, I think there, there's uh, more mot- uh, motivation for success. I agree. I agree. And, there's a, and, and I think there's a difference between adversarial and conflict of interest. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I agree with you. If there is a franchisor that you're looking at who you're hearing from franchisees, they don't align in vision with their franchisees. Um, they don't mm-hmm. have their franchisees' the best interests at heart. And, and I am all day long one to call out people that I think are successful in doing the right things. I don't do it to people that I think are doing the wrong things, but there's a couple of big brands out there that you've heard of where they copied somebody else's model, but they changed it so that the margins weren't there, the royalties were more, they increased from a B location to an A location requirement, um, and, you know, they really didn't have – they had that royalty at the end of the day, the gross revenue at, at – um, their core, their core focus. Uh, yeah, that's one of the things I give credit to the guys at Plain Trade for when I worked with them. Is their core focus was selling the cheapest products uh, in their stores because those were the highest margin for the franchisees, even though it made their royalties lower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But really, if so, both of you are concentrated on the core customer experience, this should be in alignment. Yeah, definitely. Any thoughts so, on that, Fred? Um, I only care about what the the franchisee and the franchisor tell me what I can and can't do. <laughs> that which brings, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, which brings to to the point, you know, uh, and and I think Michael mentioned something about the uh, the gentleman who was asking him all those questions about, and then asking him things. Oh, we uh, know about, that's me. Uh, ch- changes. You know, why buy a franchise if you're going to make changes? Because that's the reason you buy a franchise, because they have everything, you know, all the advertising, the logos and everything all 
in a bundle for you, ready to go. You're, it's not something right. you're going to have to create. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense what, what, what you said about that gentleman. Oh, yeah. And, and I do think and, that's a gradient, though, Ray. I think there's a gradient of uh, wanting it truly business in a box and wanting a support system uh, with some flexibility. And that's where I tell people if you're looking at an emerging brand, a young franchisor, uh, then you're looking at some place that's not going to have quite as much business in a box, but you're going to have a little more wiggle room. Um, you know, whereas if you're looking at a brand that's super established, you're going to have much more business in a box and a lot less wiggle room. I got to ask you guys if you know where the play uh, of fish came from. Hmm. I'm sorry, what was the question? Say again, please. Do you know where the filet of fish came from? How it ended up on McDonald's menu? No. Uh, I've heard this one before. Go ahead. When they were a young franchise or when they were an emerging brand, uh, the uh, one of the franchisees in New Jersey wanted to put a fish burger on his menu, and the, uh, uh, the CEO of the company wanted to put a veggie burger, which – would be a good idea now. Probably wasn't yeah. the fifties, uh, and, mm-hmm. and so they um, they couldn't. They okay, fair enough. I don't disagree. Um, they were conflicted mm-hmm. on that, and he uh, said, "I'll tell you what. We'll put it on your menu for a weekend. We'll put it on my menu for a weekend. We'll see who sells more. Whoever sells more, that's where it gets rolled out." Um, Ray never said how many he sold. Uh, he wouldn't publicly talk about it after that. Uh, but you know which one made it on the menu. Uh, that's the type of influence a young franchisor or a franchisee can have on a young franchisor. Uh, that's not going to happen mm-hmm. in McDonald's today, right? So uh, there's a gradient of business in a box versus having a system that you can influence. Yes, yeah, uh, so definitely. I want to get, because we've got a caller with a very special announcement waiting. So I want to get, oh, I want to ask Michael. Yeah. I want to ask Michael, how do people get a hold of him? How do they find him? Sure. Um, so there's a lot of ways to get a hold of me. Franchise Beacon, and that's beaconlikealighthouse.com, um, is the easiest way to get a hold of me. My Twitter is at Franchise Beacon. Uh, my Facebook is Franchise Beacon, and so is my LinkedIn and everything else on social media. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me or drop me an email, send me a text. My phone number, my cell phone number is on the front page of my website. I do that on purpose. Text me if you want. I'm an open book. Fantastic. So, caller, are you there? I am. So tell us who you are. (laughs) This is Kristen Shalmetsy with Molly Maida Bloomingdale. Hi, Kristen. And it's Hey, Ray. Hi, Kristen. So, what's the big news? Should Ray be nervous? No. No, not at all. It's we, As we described before, and as you guys were just talking about, Molly May being so different from other fa- uh, franchises, obviously the beauty of a franchise like ours is we don't cannibalize one another in any way, shape, or form, um, but we all tend to grow and succeed together. And uh, in this case, um, Molly Maid of Bloomingdale has just acquired another territory from another franchisee that uh, decided to move on and do some different things with their future. And so we um, have just picked up, I will call it kind of central DuPage County, north central DuPage County, north central, yeah, DuPage County. So we now service uh, Lombard and Oak Brook, Oak Brook Terrace and Villa Park and Elmhurst. 
which is areas oh, congratulations. that in the past we didn't. Yes, thank you. <laughs> You've been busy. <laughs> we have been very busy, but not as busy as we started to be this week. And uh, I think every day from here on out, we keep going, oh, my gosh, we got another. Oh, my gosh, we got another. So um, <laughs> we're really looking forward to growing into those markets. And they were previously serviced. Um, we obviously have a little different uh, marketing strategy. Uh, we are working yes. very diligently with all of those current clients to ensure that everybody understands they're going to be in great hands and certainly reaching out to all those folks who don't know us yet and haven't tried Molly Made Service to ensure they understand what uh, great opportunities lie ahead for them. Go, <laughs> Thank you. Congratulations. There. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. All Thank I can you. say is, so. go, girl, go. <laughs> we need to push Thank Ray you. up to number nine so you can get pushed to number ten. That uh, works? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's um, there's a couple different things still brewing, but, um, you know, it, as I looked at what was happening, it was kind of, you know, how do you eat that elephant? And then, again, it's one bite at a time, as everybody knows. And so we're um, – you know, trying to be very strategic in how we get all of this transitioned, and certainly there's uh, more and more opportunity ahead of us. And uh, I can't, could not have possibly done this without a great office staff, and certainly without my girls that are on the ground and and doing the work every single day. It would have been impossible to do that. So um, I'm just looking forward to being a, a little bigger piece of Chicago and providing more and more opportunity not only for my employees but for the community and certainly that will drive more money for our Ms. Molly Foundation and, and things of that nature. So we're really excited mm-hmm. and looking forward to the new adventure. Absolutely. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. Yay. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, thanks. We're really excited. So I'm sorry I'm not there to celebrate with you all in person, so I'll be drinking my Red Bull by it, by myself here at my desk. <laughs> when I get to Chicago Red in Bull. a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. We know well, that's not what she's drinking. No, I am. It's it's actually true, just straight up Red Bull today. We have uh, had bas- uh, baseball practice tonight, and as you know, um, this is just adding yet another layer to a complicated uh, hockey mom, baseball mom life. So. Uh, That's I still how don't know how you do it. People <laughs> celebrate success as they say, "Oh yay! Now I got more work to do. Give me some more caffeine." <laughs> yes, I'll have a bigger that, Red Bull, please. <laughs> what I love about them because they say, "There's more work to do. Go do it, Fred." And I like that. <laughs> yes, exactly, well. exactly. So, this is our first official announcement. We haven't really done anything outside mm. of this. This is kind of a Fred kind of said, "Hey, we need to talk about this right now." So. Um, We're probably even uh, more ahead of the curve than some might like us to be at this point, but um, money has transitioned, so documents are signed, and at this point I don't see any reason not to say something. So Why not? We broke the story here, Ray. We broke the story here. Yeah. (laughs) Yay, on on our radio show. That's fantastic. I, I really like that. Absolutely. So a couple of other pieces of news, since we've only got about a minute left. Um, Google has launched their new Google Podcast service. And yes, Ray, we are listed on Google Podcast now. 
go with awesome. it. Awesome. And, <laughs> and as I said before, when we when we started the website out about two months ago, our Alexa ranking, which is a ranking of how much traffic you get to your site, we were over 26 million. And as of last night, when I checked it after I got in from the road, we're at 5.8 million. So we've blown past 20 million websites in two months, Ray. How does that make you feel? People are listening to you, my friend. Oh, right. That's fantastic. That's, that's I feel not, amazing. You know, by the way, that's ranking. So a lower number is good, not bad. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm uh, feeling yeah, I'm excited like, for you. It's like being number one yeah. in your class, you know. <laughs> Getting there. That's really That's so good. stay tuned next week for at this time for the Pillars of Franchising. Congratulations, Ray. Uh, thanks. You too. Congratulations to you too. Thanks, guys.